listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. What is up, everybody? I'm so happy. It's Tuesday. That means it's podcast day. And I want to say thanks to everybody that's listening again today. I really appreciate it. I'm back home today in Florida, for a little while anyway, on a stormy, rainy, thundery Florida day. And uh, looking forward to what I have from the Lord for you guys today. Before we jump in, let me quickly say, uh, we launched something new yesterday, um, if you're listening to this on the day it's released, that we've never done before, but we're going to start doing every week now. And that's something that we call Monday Music Mashup. Monday Music Mashup. Uh, I've created a playlist for you guys, and I'm going to update that playlist every single Monday. And if you'd like to follow the playlist or get it on your phone, it is available on Apple Music as well as Spotify. So if you want to follow that playlist or like that playlist, have it part of your library, um, you can just search Monday Music Mashup on Apple Music or Spotify, and uh, you'll see it there with the orange cover art that I made that says Monday Music Mashup. And uh, I'm going to be, because, you know, here's the thing. I get people all the time as I'm traveling. They're like, hey, what, what music are you listening to? Tell me what you're, you know, because I've done so much teaching on worship and scriptural worship songs, unscriptural worship songs. People are always like, you know, well, what are you listening to? What do you sing? What do you listen to before you preach? What are you listening to when you're traveling? And uh, so I thought I'd just share some of these songs. And uh, so they're available. I made a playlist. You can check it out. I will put a link as well uh, to those uh, respective locations, Apple Music and Spotify, in the description of this week's podcast. So you can actually go down and directly click the link to go to Apple Music or Spotify playlist. And let me know what you think of it. We're going to be having uh, new music come out every single week. And uh, so I will, I'll update that for you guys. And then I'm going to probably do some themed weeks. As I just mentioned, you know, people are asking that kind of stuff too. Like, what do you listen to right before you preach or on your way to preach or when you're praying, when you're studying, what type of stuff are you listening to? So I may do a week where it's like, here's what I listen to, like right before I preach, all that kind of stuff. So um, this week I just, got, I've got some good stuff on there for you. And uh, surprisingly, it's not all worship. You know, there's some other stuff on there that's just some uh, really, really good instrumental things and stuff like that, people that I really like to listen to. So check it out. I know you'll enjoy it, and then let me know what you think about it, Um, any suggestions or whatever questions, types of music you're looking to hear more of or looking for new stuff. I get that message a lot. People are like, I'm looking for new music. I'm always looking for new uh, new worship, new artists, blah, blah, blah. So send me a message. Let me know what you think of it. And uh, once again, every Monday, that's going to be updated for you guys. So enjoy it. Also, I just started recording. This is a secret, so don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> I just started recording tracks for an album that I'm getting ready to release. I'm not sure yet when it's going to come out. Might be in a couple of months. Might be in five months, six months. I'm not sure at this point because I just started tracking but um, I am going to be re- releasing an album of music that's perfect for, you know, your prayer time, uh, meditation on the word, you know, p- you know, even creating an atmosphere in your home, peaceful for your children. Um, and it's going to be hymns, like old hymns recorded with just like a grand piano. So lit- literally just a very peaceful, anointed atmosphere for prayer, reading the word, uh, your children, your family, whatever. So I just tracked the first one last night, uh, and it's really coming out good. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'll give you guys more updates. Um, if you would like to uh, download a sample of what it's going to sound like, I'll be happy to let you sample the first song, and that is also linked in the description. Uh, if you click on that link, it will be uh, a Dropbox link that allow you to download um, that uh, that track that I recorded 
on the piano. So enjoy it. And uh, I know you guys will love it. And I'll give you more info when the album's getting ready to come out and release. It'll be everywhere. You'll be able to get a hard copy CD, uh, iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play Store. It'll be on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Prime Music, uh, everywhere. So it'll be available for everybody. Um, I will not be making any cassette tapes. And I will not be making any vinyls or eight tracks. Actually, you know what? I might make a vinyl. I don't want to limit myself or put myself in a box. There might be a vinyl. Uh, of this available if you have a record player. Anyway, it's going to be good. So uh, let me know what you guys think when you download it, and uh, more will be coming soon. Let's get into this today. Um, As you saw from the title, this is something, as you know, uh, I'm extremely passionate about, something that stirs my spirit. Uh, I hate depression, anxiety, spirit of fear. Um, I hate these things. God has given me a, a holy hatred in my spirit for this, what the Bible calls a spirit of heaviness, uh, anxiety, depression, all this stuff that seems to be one of the biggest attacks that the devil's using against this generation right now. In case you don't know, the number one prescribed medication in America now is antidepressants. It used to be only the number one prescribed medication for people 18 to 44. Now it's number one. It's taken over every other type of medication, uh, heart medication, everything. I mean, it's number one, which shows you that the devil is doing his best to try to attack the joy and the peace of an entire generation. And in this podcast today, I'm going to tell you why that's the case, why in this time that we're living that he is coming after people's joy and their peace what it means for you, and how you can be free. Um, One of the most horrible things you'll ever see is when somebody is attacked with depression and anxiety to the point that they are deceived into taking their own life. And uh, there's nothing, I mean, that is so extremely sad. And I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but uh, they just announced yesterday that there was a pastor in California, who recently, I think it was yesterday even, that uh, took his own life, committed suicide, and uh, left behind a wife and children, a congregation that he's pastoring. So extremely sad. I mean, it was on all the Christian outlets, CBN, uh, I think Christianity Today covered it. All these different outlets are covering this. And um, it's an attack of the devil. I mean, without question, it's a demonic attack of the devil. To tr- to not just to try to shut down ministers, but to shut down every believer and to take the lives of those that don't even serve the Lord. It's demonic. I'm going to talk to you today about the fact that depression is not just a chemical imbalance. It is a spiritual fight, according to scripture. It's a spiritual fight that needs to be broken by the power of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I want to just say that we are, without question, praying for the peace of that pastor's family, his children, those that loved him. I mean, that's a horrible thing. I mean, the devil, this is why I hate it so much is because if you allow this thing, it it will take you all the way to the place of, of self-destruction and the devil wants you dead without question. The devil wants you dead and God wants you to be fully alive, not just naturally, but spiritually. And uh, that's what we call the gospel in one verse found in John chapter 10 and verse 10. Uh, The Bible says the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So we want to jump in and talk about this today. It's extremely important. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about depression, anxiety, suicide, and eternity. And uh, we also recently just had uh, some questions come in regarding that. And as, as you know, uh, we've had questions come in week after week for people that want to hear different things on the podcast. And we're doing our best to uh, to answer them all. But we've even had questions recently. Dean, uh, shout out to Dean. He sent in a, uh, a question. Where do people who commit suicide spend eternity? Uh, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today as well. So thank you guys for writing in. And uh, I I pray that today's podcast episode not only informs you from the word of God, but also gives you spiritual strength to stand up against this 
spirit of depression, anxiety, and fear that's trying to sweep through our nation and to uh, incapacitate believers really is what it does. And uh, you're going to walk in supernatural strength and power and joy in the mighty name of Jesus. So I actually feel to quickly pray for every one of you that are listening. So let's do that now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we go through this word today from the scripture, I pray that every heart would be open to receive it. Lord, if any person listening to this is battling suicide, suicidal thoughts, uh, depression, anxiety, fear in their life, we take authority over it in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that they're eyes of their understanding would be enlightened today. Let them see what they've never seen from scripture. Encourage them, strengthen them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So let's jump into this. Why does the devil want you to be depressed? Why does he care about your emotional state? He's a spiritual being, so why does he care about your emotions? Well, there's several scriptural and very good reasons why the devil's fighting an emotional battle with you. The mistake we make is looking at depression, anxiety, or fear and thinking that it's purely emotional. These things have a spiritual root that manifest in the emotional realm. Even though depression, anxiety, fear, different things like that, unrest, these things affect you emotionally, they have a root, according to scripture, that is spiritual. And so what we have to realize is, is that Because it's a spiritual root, you cannot deal with it on a natural level. So what everybody tries to do is they, you know, when people get into serious issues, they try counseling, they try medication, you know, doctors give you a prescription. There's people taking antidepressants, as I just mentioned, uh, all over the nation and around the world, but you can't medicate a spirit. You can't diagnose or uh, prescribe medication to a spirit. It, a spirit has to be dealt with spiritually, not naturally. And I've had people get mad at me for this and say, you know, I, I think you're making a mistake trying to, you know, talk to people in this way and trying to get them to get off their medication and blah, blah, blah. I was actually preaching in Maine one time and I, at a camp, I, I preached on this subject and I was telling all these young people, you know, there is deliverance through the power of the Holy Ghost, you don't have to live like this for the rest of your life. One of the uh, counselors at the camp was a nurse, so she left that day. She turned in her lanyard and went home, and she wrote me a huge rebuke on Facebook, and she told me, you know, prayer is good, and, you know, I know the anointing is good, but these kids need their medication above all else. And one of the things that I started to realize is that people think that somehow God needs to have his power supplemented by man-made substances. What a ridiculous thought that all an all-powerful God, an omnipotent God, needs the help of natural men to help his people. He doesn't need to have his power supplemented by medication. God can heal you, restore you, and deliver you without the help of man's science, medication, anything. He's God. When did we think God, you know, I don't realize when when we started thinking God needs our help. God doesn't need our help. He's God. He's God. He can do these things supernaturally. And it's, it just blows my mind that you have people that call themselves Christians that they, they put more stock, they put more trust and hope in science, in medication. Listen, I'm not against science. I'm not against uh, the help of doctors and nurses. I'm not against them. I'm not protesting them. But what I'm saying is they're not God. They're not God. Medication is not divine healing. Surgery is not divine healing. Divine healing is divine healing. Divine deliverance is divine deliverance. And so I'm not, I'm not by any means boycotting doctors or nurses or hospitals. But what I'm saying is, as God said to Bishop David Oyedepo one time, he said, can you make one of your eyes look up while the other one looks down? And Bishop Oyedepo said he tried it, tried to make one eye look up and the other look down. He said, Lord, I can't do it. And the Lord replied to him and said, well, then don't ever tell people that you're looking unto me when you're really looking unto men. Don't tell people that you're looking unto me when you're really looking unto men. And that's the key. That's what we're talking about. God can help us. In fact, 
the Bible tells us this very clearly, that uh, if you go back and read the book of Jeremiah, you know, when people put their trust or their faith in men rather than God, God doesn't just say he's disappointed in them. (laughs) No, he said, cursed is the man. See that? Who puts their trust in the arm of flesh. Cursed is the man. Not I'm disappointed in the man. Cursed is the man who puts their their trust in the arm of flesh. Now, here's the real part that'll get you. And in doing so, turns themselves away from God. See that? Who turns themselves away from God. That's Jeremiah 17, 5, by the way, if you want to look it up for yourself. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. And in doing so, turns his heart away from the Lord. Think about it. God's not saying that when you trust in men rather than me, you know, that's, you just put you on a lower level. He said, no, if you live your life like that, it will cause you to turn your back, uh, to turn your back on God. I mean, that's, that's what God's saying here through Jeremiah. It'll cause you to turn your back on God. So my help doesn't come from men. My help doesn't come from the arm of men. Men can't help me like God helps me. Think about this. If, if that's, if that's your way of thinking, if that's what you do in your life, trust in men, what do you do when you come to a place where men can no longer help you? What do you do when the doctor shakes his head no and says, there's nothing else we can do. We're going to send you home with hospice. Say goodbye to your family. You're going to die. What do you do when there's no financial planner that can help you? What do you do when there's no psychologist or psychiatrist that can help you? There are problems, as we know, in the world that men can't do anything about. There are sicknesses, there are diseases, there are things that uh, people struggle with in their mind, mental issues, that nobody else can do anything about. What do you do when men can't help you? You're finished. That's why we don't trust in men, we trust in God. And when we do that, we will not be cursed. I'll never make flesh my strength. I'll never make, you know, some expert in their field, my help. It'll never happen. God is my help. He's my source. I don't care if this entire nation crashes and burns. I will not crash and burn because my help is not depend on the na- depend on the nation that I live in. I don't care if this economy crashes. I will not crash financially because my help doesn't come from this economy. It comes from God. It comes from God. And we have to think that way. Why does the devil want to steal our joy and our peace? Why does he want to come against what seems to many to be an emotional state? Well, there's several reasons for it. Number one, the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter eight and verse 10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when the devil comes after your joy, he's not just coming coming to take your giggles away. He's coming to take your strength from you. The devil would love to fight against a powerless church. So when he comes against your joy, he's coming against your strength. Joy brings strength. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Amen. You know, they're just now finding that uh, out medically. I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase or not yet or before, but there's a phrase that be, that's tossed around a lot nowadays, and it's this, this phrase, stress-related illnesses. If you've ever heard that before, stress-related illnesses. You know, sometimes a doctor will tell you, you know, you're doing too much at work. What you really need to do is find a hobby, something you enjoy doing, take some time away, get some of that stress out of your life, you know, do whatever you, whatever you feel like is a, is a fun hobby for you. Take some time with that, with your family and, and get away from the thoughts of what they're trying to do is, is, is to get some joy back in your life and get that stress off your mind. But notice what Proverbs says, Proverbs seventeen twenty two: a merry heart does good like a medicine joy. 
is like a medicine to your body. But a broken spirit dries up your bones. You say, what in the world does that mean? What does it mean to have dry bones? The Lord showed me something about this a few years ago. I'm going to share it with you. Uh, I had never seen this before, but I always looked at this verse of scripture and said, what in the world does it mean that a broken spirit dries up my bones? And then I was reading through the book of Leviticus and I saw where the Bible says that the life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. It's found in the book of Leviticus. And the Lord said, where do you think blood comes from? And I began to realize that the marrow of your bones produces blood cells. The marrow of your bones produces blood cells. And I began to understand that when depression, anxiety, or a broken spirit begins to dry up your bones, what that scripture really means is it's choking out the life force of your body. Depression, anxiety, fear chokes out the life force of your body. But a merry heart is like medicine to your body. Think about that. That's the power of joy. It does not just strengthen you emotionally and strengthen you spiritually. It also literally strengthens your body. And there's now medical research that supports that claim. Joy strengthens your physical body. So realize this with me today. Joy strengthens every part of your three-part being. Strengthens your spirit, strengthens your mind or your soul, and it also strengthens your physical body. One element from heaven, joy, strengthens every part of your three-part being. And we wonder why is the devil fighting so hard to steal our joy? Because he can literally attack every part of our three-part being by stealing one element. If we give up that one element, we'll be attacked on three different fronts. Think about that. That's one of the reasons that the devil fights so hard to take your joy from you. You've got to work through the, uh, the word of God and through the power of the Holy Ghost to do everything you can to stay in supernatural joy. It has got to be something you place as a priority in your life. I will be filled with supernatural joy. Another reason why the devil fights so hard to steal your joy, and I recorded a lot of this information in the first book I ever wrote, Praise, Laugh, Repeat. You can get that on you know, iBooks, Amazon for your Kindle. You can order it from our website, shop.miracleword.com. If you don't have a copy, I encourage you to get a copy of that book, Praise, Laugh, Repeat, How to Live in the Power of Overwhelming Joy. But I record a lot of this information in there. One of the things that I saw from the Holy Ghost is another huge reason the devil tries to steal your joy is because, think about this, joy is the element that allows you to take hold of the blessings that are included in your salvation. Listen to Isaiah chapter 12 and verse three. The Bible says, therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Let me read it again. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. So understand this, your salvation contains wells of blessings. In fact, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus and in Ephesians 1.3, you've probably heard this verse many times. He said, now you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So notice there are no more blessings left for you to be blessed with. You've got all of them. Where are they? In heavenly places in Christ. So I don't need my blessings to stay in heavenly places. I need them here on the earth as I'm living for the Lord. So how do you extract your blessings from heavenly places and get them to manifest in the earthly realm? According to Isaiah 12, that it's the element of joy that allows you to draw water out of the wells of your salvation. You cannot pull these blessings out 
without joy. Think of a well that, you know, like an old school, uh, you know, well that had a bucket hanging at the top, you know, and you could rotate the handle and lower the bucket into the well, pull water out. If you are a Christian who has no joy in the Holy Ghost, then what ends up happening to you is that you have a well, or according to Isaiah, multiple wells, and there's no bucket at the top of your well. No bucket at the top of your well. So although there's plenty of fresh water at the bottom of your well, you have no way to get it out and enjoy it. And that's a sad thing. When there are Christians all over the world who have blessing upon blessing upon blessing available to them and no way to take hold of it. That's what the devil wants. He doesn't care if you've been given every spiritual blessing, if you have no way to pull it out. It's like having $5 million in a bank account and no ATM card or PIN number or check to withdraw those funds. You could die of starvation as a multimillionaire if you had no way to access your funds. Think about that. If you didn't have some way to pull money out of the bank, you could literally have millions and millions of dollars and die of starvation. Why? Because you've got to have a method to take hold of what's yours. And according to Isaiah the prophet, that method for the believer is joy. Paul even wrote to the Roman church. And in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, the apostle Paul says this, the kingdom of God is not what you eat or drink. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So truly, the kingdom is made up of three elements. According to Paul, it's made up of righteousness, right living, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Those three elements make up the kingdom. So think about this. How many Christians do you know that, you know, they're not living in sin? They're not out robbing banks, you know, committing adultery, watching pornography. They're not. They're living righteously, but at the same time, they don't have any peace and they don't have any joy. Do you realize those believers are missing out on two-thirds of the kingdom? They're missing out on two-thirds of the kingdom of God because they don't have peace and they don't have joy. And the devil wants that for you, wants to steal your ability to pull your blessings out of heaven by taking your joy. So without question, the devil knows why he's coming after your peace and joy. He knows why he's trying to put you in a state of depression and anxiety. He knows what it does to you physically. He knows what it does to you mentally. And he knows what it does to you spiritually. And so we have to contend for the joy of the Holy Ghost. It's our strength. It's our bucket to pull out blessings. It's supernatural. Joy is a spirit. Just as much as depression is a spirit, joy is a spirit. So, Here's what I want to do. I want to give you three avenues into the joy of the Lord today. And then at the end of this podcast episode, we're going to talk about quickly and briefly, because really you can only speculate the uh, subject of suicide and eternity. You know, what's the story with suicide and eternity? Where do those people spend eternity that, that commit suicide? We'll talk about that at the end. But let me give you three avenues into the joy of the Holy Ghost. That according to scripture, if you'll do these three things, it keeps you in a place of supernatural joy. Number one, I'm gonna guide you over to the book of Psalms, actually the first Psalm. And I wanna read this to you. And I wanna read it to you from the New Living Translation. Listen to this. Psalm one and verse one. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Verse six at the end of the Psalm says, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. 
So let's get into that for a second. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Other translations may say, blessed is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked. Well, that's that's synonymous. You know, it's not a blessing to be full of depression. It's not a blessing to live with anxiety attacks. It's a curse. It's a curse. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, stand around with sinners, join in with mockers. So the first thing you can see here from the book of Psalms is that when you live a holy and a separated lifestyle, it brings you overwhelming joy. A holy and a separated lifestyle brings you overwhelming joy. They delight in the law of the Lord. It means they're happy to obey what God told them to do from his word. When I choose to live a life that's pleasing to God, holy, acceptable, set apart, separated, joys from heaven must fill my life. In fact, joy is one of the good gifts that the father gives to his children. We know from the book of Matthew chapter seven, Jesus teaches that our heavenly father is a loving and a good heavenly father who gives good gifts to his children. One of those good gifts is joy. And I want you to see this with me, very important. The Bible says in Psalm 84 and verse 11 that God will not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly or righteously. God will not withhold any good thing from those that walk righteously or uprightly. Go into the New Testament if you want. Matthew 6, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. All these things. So whether you're reading in the Old or New Testament, it's clear, living a holy and a separated lifestyle affords you the opportunity to walk and live in overwhelming joy, living holy. So one of the things we have to realize is that sin is a killer. You've heard me say that on this podcast before. Sin is a killer. It kills everything it touches. It kills your joy. It kills your relationships. It kills your spirit, man. It kills your prosperity. It kills your healing. It kills everything it touches. So you've got to go to war with sin. You've got to go to war with sin. As my Uncle Tiff has said for years, get rid of sin before sin gets rid of you. You've got to get it out. And that's the number one thing that will bring. In fact, I was listening to Pastor Enoch Adeboye preach a message one time. And the message was entitled The Master Key. And he was saying at the beginning of his message how there are many keys in the body of Christ. There are many keys in the kingdom of God, but there's only one master key. You know, faith is a key. Praise is a key. Prayer is a key. Giving is a key. These are all keys, but he was saying that with all of those keys, there's something that can happen that can make those keys not work. So prayer is a wonderful thing, but according to scripture, there are things that you can do that will make your prayers ineffective, cause your prayers not to work. Giving is a wonderful thing, but there are things in the scripture that you can do that will cause your giving not to work. So although those are wonderful keys, they're not the master key that open every door. But he preached this message on how there's one master key in the Bible that opens every door and nothing can stop it from working. And that master key is holiness, righteousness, being set apart unto God, obeying the word of God. Do you realize there is nothing that can stop that from working? There's nothing that can stop that from bringing benefits into your life. Holiness, righteousness is the master key that opens every door. That's why I read to you Psalm 84 and verse 11, Matthew 6, 33. In fact, the book of Job chapter 36 and verse 11, God said, if, if my people would just obey and serve me, that's holiness, just obey and serve me, they would spend their uh, days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. 
if they would only obey and serve me, spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. What's the prerequisite? Just obey and serve me. In fact, can I show you something real quickly? And I've I've read this verse as well uh, on the podcast before, but it bears repeating here. John chapter 14 and verse 21. Listen to Jesus' words. Those who accept my commandments or my word and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them. See that. Those who accept my word and obey it. One translation says, and I will love them and manifest myself to each one of them. So you get to be in on the manifestation of Christ's personality and presence just by living holy. And when his presence comes, his presence brings with it joy. Anything that comes along with the presence of God is afforded to you when his presence shows up in your life. Which leads me to number two, not just living holy, but number two, living a life of dedicated praise unto God, praising God every single day. When you dedicate yourself to a really a disciplined life of praise, you put yourself in position for overwhelming joy. Why? Because praise is the quickest access into the presence of God. The Bible says in in, uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm 22 and verse three, that God inhabits the praises of Israel. He lives in, he dwells in the praises of Israel. So the quickest access into the presence of God is praising him. But notice this, Psalm 16 and verse 11, the Bible says, and in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So the moment his presence comes into your life, joy comes with his presence. I am totally, utterly convinced that people who do not experience the joy of the Lord have not taken adequate time to praise God on a daily basis. Most people wait to praise God until Sunday morning when they're in the praise and worship service. If you're waiting until Sunday morning to praise God and every week you have a full seven days between praising God, that means that you have seven days that you are void of his presence. You activate his presence by praising him. People say, well, the Bible says I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Yes, that is true. He's omnipresent. He'll always be here. But let me tell you, look across the body of Christ and you'll clearly see there are people that are living daily in his presence and people that are void of experiencing his presence. Let me just tell you something. Just because somebody's around doesn't mean you're benefiting from their presence. We should know that in this generation better than any other. How many of you have ever been out to eat with someone, spending time with someone, and they never looked up from their phone? They're there. They've not left you. They've not departed from you. They're in your presence, but you have not gotten to benefit or experience their presence because although they're there, they've not activated a relationship with you because they've been distracted. And that's what happens is we're so distracted with our lives that we don't engage the power of his presence. We're distracted with other things. Praise puts all of our focus on the power and presence and personality of God. And when we do that, we activate his presence. We engage his presence. And when we do, the Bible says, fullness of joy becomes ours. That's what the Bible declares in Psalm 1611. When his presence comes, you get everything that accompanies his presence when his presence shows up. Fullness of joy is one of those things. If you're not experiencing fullness of joy, you need to set on your daily schedule. People, I'm sure people pray, you know, people that pray, and we're encouraging people to do more and more of that. The average American Christian does not pray more than five minutes a day at the most. That's a statistic, my friends. 
that they're telling us across this nation, the average Christian in America prays less than five minutes a day. It's ridiculous. That's why we're encouraging you with prayer points and encouraging you to pray at least an hour a day. Get in the presence of God. But even the Christians that do pray, maybe you have that scheduled, but you don't have scheduled time to praise. You've got to praise God. In fact, uh, I heard Bishop Oedepo say this once. He said, prayer is a wonderful thing, but it cannot compete with praise in potency. There's more power in praise than there is in prayer. But they're meant to be done together. It's not one or the other. They're meant to be done together. But you've got to schedule times daily to praise God. I'm raising my children to do this. You know, if we're not in revival services every night when we're home, we'll put on things on television. My wife's training them. I'm training them. We'll put on someone else's service on live stream, on the TV. And when it's time to praise God, pull those kids into the living room. We're going to praise God right here. We're going to dance. We're going to shout. We're going to praise God right here in our house. Why? Training up people who will be praisers, who will not battle depression, anxiety, and fear. Praise is the second avenue into overwhelming joy. So number one, holiness, living free from sin. Number two, praising God on a daily basis. And then number three, the third avenue into overwhelming joy is God's word. His word turns into supernatural joy in your body. I always, I always um, tell people and use this analogy that, you know, they tell us everybody's going crazy on diets now and, uh, you know, there's all these low-carb diets and they're finding out that the biggest thing that's killing people in America, heart disease, high blood pressure, sugar, diabetes, all these different things, obviously brought on by uh, refined sugars, carbs. We're on carb overload in America. But one of the things you start to realize I heard a doctor say this on a documentary. He said, your blood doesn't know the difference if you put a can of Coke into your body or, you know, eating white bread. It looks different going in, but once it gets inside, it's just sugar in your bloodstream and your body doesn't know the difference. But the opposite of that is true. When the word goes in, it looks one way going in and changes once it gets inside to be whatever you need it to be. The word can become prosperity and success, according to Joshua 1.8. The word can become health and healing, according to Proverbs 4.20-22. But as we're saying today, the word also can become joy and strength in your body. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15 and verse 16, Jeremiah records these words. He said, Lord, I found your word or your words and I did eat them. And they became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my soul. Notice what Jeremiah said. He said, I devoured your word and it became unto me. It turned into joy and rejoicing to my soul. So understand the word of God has the ability to fill you with joy. The word of God has the ability to fill you with joy. If you don't have a plan to read the word of God on a daily basis, create a plan. It's very, very easy. You know, now we have all these apps and and different things, you know, that give us pre-done reading plans, all that. Of course, you've heard me say many times, one of the easiest things to do is read nine chapters of the New Testament a day. Allows you to read the New Testament every month. Read, the, read three chapters of the New Testament every day. That's the New Testament every quarter. You'll read the New Testament four times a year with just three chapters a day, and that takes almost no time at all. I encourage you to do it. Why? Because when you read the Word of God, it fills your body, your mind, your spirit with joy in the Holy Ghost. That's why even where we started in Psalm chapter 1, the Bible says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, stand around with sinners, join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. That's the word. Meditating on it day and night. What happens when you meditate on God's word? The Bible says you'll be filled with joy. You'll be like a tree planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in every season. Your leaves will never wither, and you'll prosper in all you do. Fill yourself 
with the mighty word of God. Don't just read the Bible, but also listen to preaching and teaching that's anointed. Why do I encourage you to do that? Because those ministry gifts are set in the body of Christ for the perfecting of the saints. They have revelation that you don't yet have, and it'll open up to you. That's the reason you're listening to this podcast is because it builds faith in your spirit. It encourages your spirit. It gives you revelation knowledge you may not have had before, and it's good. I I congratulate you. You should be seeking after impartation in that way. God uses it to build you to a higher level. So don't just read the word for yourself. Also listen to anointed preaching and teaching. Get the word in you. It becomes joy in your spirit. So those three things will put you directly into the joy of the Lord. Number one, living holy. Number two, praising God on a daily basis. And number three, ingesting the mighty word of God on a daily basis. When you're filled with overwhelming joy, it changes everything about your spiritual man. You walk in strength. You walk in power. You're able to pull your blessings out of the supernatural realm and manifest them in the natural realm. Joy is key. You've got to have it. It's one third of the entire kingdom of God, according to Paul. Joy is one of the greatest tools God has given his people to overcome on a daily basis. You know, I hear people say all these different things that sadly I was, I was reflecting on, uh, on this report of this pastor committing suicide in California. And then you go and look at everybody's commentary online. I read one guy who was, who was writing online regarding, uh, this pastor taking his life. And he said, he literally said, you know, you know, I, I feel sorrow, you know, for all these, these people in the body of Christ and especially these ministers. And this is a direct quote. He said, because ministry is hard. Ministry is hard. If ministry is hard for you, if living the Christian life is hard for you, you're not doing it right. I know I may get some flack for that statement, but I'm going to back it up with scripture. If ministry is hard for you, now I'm not saying there won't be persecution. The Bible promises that there will be persecution, but this article and this commentary on this article was not talking about persecution from those that oppose the gospel. It was talking about ministry leaders who fight and struggle with anxiety and depression and, you know, worry and all these different things. And that we're, we're sitting in a place where we're always worried about our ministry or wondering if our ministry is effective and we're depressed over the fact that, you know, we may not be getting through to the people and, you know, all these different things. And so the, the, the thought that's being put forward here is that ministry is hard because, you know, we're depressed about how things are going in the ministry. It's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. Jesus did not say, I want you to minister on my behalf. So come to me, let me make you fishers of men. And then as you minister for me on my behalf, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. You know, you're going to have a lot of problems. Let me read to you what Jesus actually said. These are the words of Christ. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Listen to this. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Notice that. He didn't say, I'll give you more burdens. He said, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Not depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. Rest. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. It's light, and it's easy. I didn't say ministry is easy. Jesus said living for him, being part of the body, is easy. You know, one of the things that makes me remember, I was sitting down at lunch with Dr. Reinhard Bonnke, who is arguably the greatest crusade evangelist to ever live, has had over 70 millions, probably more now, uh, conversions to to uh, Christianity by actual card count, by the way. He said something at lunch. I'll never forget this. You should write it down. He said, if people's praise can't build you up, their criticism can't tear you down. If people's praise can't build you up, their criticism can't care, tear you down. I don't care what people have to say about me. I could care less. You know, 
It's not, I'm not at home in a depression because people are coming against me. You know, they come against myself. They say things online against me, my cousin, my, my uncles. My, I mean, my whole family put me on. A, and I found my, my name on several false prophet lists. It's like, get your facts straight. I'm not even an actual prophet. I'm an evangelist. But apparently there are no false evangelist lists to be on. So, but I mean, I don't even prophesy. So I know what you're talking about. People are mad because I preach the faith gospel. Preach on faith. Preach in victory. You know, it's like, how can you have too much faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, he's hyper faith. What the heck does that mean? We have faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. Got to please God with faith. It's ridiculous. You know, people come again. The problem is we're in this social media style generation where everybody does things to get likes and shares and hearts. That's not how you're supposed to live your Christian life. Not You're not supposed to have everybody like you. In fact, the Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you. You need enemies. You'll have enemies. Bible says in Psalm 23 and verse five, God will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. If you don't have enemies, it's because you're not standing up for anything hard enough. People should not like you. There's people with an antichrist spirit, an antichrist agenda that should be mad at how you live, what you believe. So don't look for everybody to love you and don't be depressed when everybody doesn't love you. You know, it's how life should be in the kingdom. I want the right people liking me. So I, I just, I can't get with it. I mean, if, if ministry, if you're a minister and you're listening to this and ministry's hard for you, get out and go do something else. Don't put your family through all that or your kids hate church by the time you grow, they grow up because you were doing ministry the wrong way. And, and you know, you come home and you're always talking bad about church and the people in church. And it's what your kids grow up hearing because you're doing things God never called you to do. Which, by the way, is the reason so many ministers have it hard. It's the reason so many Christians have it hard. They're doing things God never instructed them to do. Doing things because other people are doing them. Because they saw it on TV. It's a fad. Or, you know, they're doing things because they felt like it would be a great idea. Don't do anything that God didn't tell you to do. I mean, go back. I did a whole podcast on the secret that world changers live by. Go back and listen to that episode. Where anyone that I ever met that shook a nation or multiple nations, I asked them one question. If you could go back and talk to the 30-year-old self, what what's one piece of advice that you'd give the 30-year-old you after living this long and doing this much for God? 90-some percent of them gave me the exact same answer and they don't even know each other. Go back and listen to that podcast. You've got to be led by the Spirit. Psalm 127 and verse 1, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. I don't want to do something because I want to do it. I want to do it because God called me to do it and he'll pave the way. He'll provide the resources. He'll fight my battles. I don't want to be responsible for all that. I want God to be responsible because I'm doing his thing, not my thing. And if ministry is hard, one of the reasons people get into depression and anxiety and fear is because they're doing things God never told them to do and it brings pressure that God didn't intend. Make sure whatever you do, it's something God has called you to do. And listen, more power to you. If you're listening to this today, you say, you know what? I'm in the ministry and I realize now I shouldn't be in the ministry. I should be in business. I have a love for doing business. I have a gift doing business. Get out of the ministry today and go back into business where God can bless you and use you and you can finance the kingdom. There's no shame in that. Do what God's called you and anointed you and gifted you to do. Amen. Things aren't hard when people obey the voice of God of the Holy Spirit. Let me finish today by asking, talking about this. People say, you know, what, what about people that commit suicide? What do you say about people who have taken their own life? Where do they spend eternity? And of course, Dean wrote this question in recently, uh, but I want to talk about that for just a second before we pray for you, because I get this question a lot uh, online. And then, you know, there's people that have had to go to funerals or people, preachers even that have had to preach funerals of family members in their church that have committed suicide. What do you say? What's going on? Well, one of the things I want to, I do want to quickly address is the fact that suicide is not the unpardonable sin. I mean, you can look through the whole word of God, the entire scripture. Suicide is not the unpardonable sin. So uh, the question that you really have to ask yourself is, what separates you completely from the blood of Jesus? What separates you completely from your salvation? 
You know, obviously there may be even some people listening to this podcast. You don't even believe it's possible to lose your salvation. Of course, you know, if you listen to me that I do believe that it's possible to lose your salvation and to backslide once you've been truly saved. You were saved and you can you can walk away from that salvation. The Bible teaches that, I believe. And uh, so what do you say to people that say, well, they committed suicide and they were a member of our church. They were a believer. They, I know that they'd been saved and they were living for the Lord and you know, depression overcame them, got the better of them. They took their own life. It's important to remember that, that depression's not, or excuse me, that, that suicide is not the unpardonable sin and that I don't believe one sin separates you from your salvation. I just don't believe it. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. You know, I don't, you know, if you went out today, you've been living for the Lord, you committed one sin, you told a lie, you do, you're not on your way to hell because you committed one sin. Obviously, according to scripture, you should repent, ask for forgiveness of your sin, and then go on pressing towards the Lord, living for God. But I don't believe one sin separates somebody from God eternally. So I always try to encourage people from my understanding of the word of God that if you had somebody who was in such an emotional state or a spiritual state that they were deceived into taking their own life. I have to believe that by God's mercy and grace that that person still finds their way to heaven if they were serving the Lord, if they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, here's the other thing I want to talk about quickly in regards to depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts is One of the things you recognize about suicide and why it goes so much against the human survival instinct, it's unbelievable. If you look through history, what people will do to survive, this is what shows you it's not a normal thing, that it's something that's deceived your mind into taking your own life. The human survival instinct will make you do things that you would never, ever do. And I think there was even a movie that came out not long ago called 127 Hours based on a true story of a guy that was a hiker that had hiked way out into the wilderness where nobody was going to ever find him. And as he was hiking across the top of these ravines and cliffs, he fell down in between a ravine and a rock, like a big boulder fell down with him. And when he hit the bottom, uh, the rock wedged itself between the two cliffs, the opening in the ravine, and his arm was stuck in between the rock and the wall, and he was wedged in so hard that he couldn't get out. Well, I mean, the man spent 127 hours there between, I mean, realized no one's going to find me. No one's going to get me. And he had to make the decision, you know, to cut his arm off. I mean, it's like, you know, that's crazy. You know, obviously you would decide to do it to survive and to see your family again. But the human survival instinct is so strong that, you know, mothers protecting their children. I mean, all the things that you could talk about, it shows you that when suicide comes, that it's completely and utterly against the natural human survival instinct, which shows you that somebody is not in the right frame of mind or spirit. And uh, so you, you just have to understand, you know, there's many people that don't even believe people are in their, in their right mind at all, that at the moment that someone is, is ready to do that, they have left their right mind. They're not in their right mind based on this survival instincts and stuff. So I don't believe one sin, Dean, to answer your question, those that are wondering, separates you from God for eternity. And it's not the unpardonable sin. I have to believe in the mercy and the grace of God that those people that have been tortured in in their mind, that have not allowed themselves to be renewed in the spirit of their mind, uh, will still be with God in heaven for eternity. But I do want to pray for every person that's listening to this. Maybe you battle depression, anxiety, fear. I know that those things I taught today will help you, but let me pray and rebuke that spirit in the mighty name of Jesus and loose joy and peace to you wherever you are. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, pray for every man and every woman listening to this podcast today. I take authority over anxiety, depression, fear, even ADD, ADHD, these attacks against the mind. I rebuke it in the mighty name of Jesus and I command it to go by the power of the Holy Ghost. I loose joy and peace in Jesus' mighty name and I thank you, Lord, for that joy in the Holy Ghost. Thank you that it's strengthening us, that's giving us the power to do what we're called to do. We will manifest the blessings of heaven on this earth and be impactful for the kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I love you guys. Thank you so much again for listening. Let me ask you, share this on your social media accounts. Thank you for all those that are doing it. We're nearing 25 
thousand downloads. It's blowing my mind. It's a wonderful thing. But check out that Monday Music Mashup on uh, on Apple Music and also Spotify. And then uh, go ahead and grab that free sample of the album I'm recording. All those links are in the description. I love you guys. Don't forget until next week, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. Talk to you next week. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 